Good morning, and welcome to Ask the Pro, a paid commercial program. The opinions expressed are those of the participating clients and not necessarily those of the management and staff of WLVL. Ask the Pro is an informational-based program designed to advertise the product and or service of the client and to introduce them to the WLVL listening audience. Your questions and comments are welcome throughout the show. Just call 716-433-1433. And good morning, everybody. Today is Wednesday, September 27th, and you are listening to Ask the Pro here on WLVL 1340 AM, streaming worldwide at WLVL.com. And don't forget, if you miss any of the great programming here or any of these uh, interviews, you can always go to WLVL.com, hit the podcast button, and you can choose to listen to any of the programs that we've had. So this morning, I would like to welcome in studio the brand new president of Catholic Health and CEO, Joyce Markowitz. Good morning, Joyce. Good morning. And C.J. Erlob, who is, you got a long title here, C.J. I'm seeing President of Mount St. Mary's, Senior Vice President of Strategic Partnerships, Integration, and Care Delivery for Niagara County. Is that all of it? Or is there more? I, I got to look at my card. <laughs> do, you have, do you have the fold-out cards? I do. I do. <laughs> Put them all in there. Well, good morning, and thank you, folks, for uh, taking time out of your busy schedules to uh, join me this morning. Good to be with you, and Eric. speaking of busy, you two have been really busy this last few months. Joyce, congratulations again on your recent appointment as president and CEO of Catholic Health. Uh, how has the uh, transition been going? Is it nice and smooth, I hope? Yeah, it, absolutely. It's been nice and smooth. Uh, the previous CEO stayed on for about a month. So we were able to do a nice handoff, but I've also been with the organization. This is my 19th year, so very familiar with our organization. It's not like I'm coming into a new place where I have to get to know everyone. Um, it's just getting to know people on a different level. Uh, it's, it's been great. It's been great in the, uh, all the associates and the physicians and, uh, the community have all been extremely supportive and I, I'm greatly appreciate that. Well, that's good because well, if you've been there for a long time, you know the ins and outs. You know the, you know what's going on. I think you are the perfect choice for for this uh, position. I'm really, really pleased. So, Thank CJ, now uh, we've spoken to you a lot over over the summer several times, and uh, of course, everybody is looking forward to the opening of the new Lockport Hospital, and everybody's getting really excited because the doors open is coming up very soon. So, it's Lockport Memorial Campus of Mount St. Mary's Hospital. That's what it is, right? Yes, mm-hmm. and. Uh, so scheduling, are we on track to be open on October 10th? Or is well, there are a whole slew of things, uh, challenges that we're working on to try to hit that date. Um, we're actually, the building's still being built. So the construction uh, folks turn the, um, the actually access over to our team to be able to get in there. And where we're really focused on is on the inpatient and the ER and then, of course, all the supporting areas to be able to care for emergency room patients like imaging, laboratory, and the pharmacy. So what we've been doing is working side-by-side side with the construction crews as they're finishing up the final details, and we're putting beds in there, stretchers. Uh, the monitors are going up on the walls. We've got all the computers being deployed. The furniture's moving in. Um, it's starting to look like an ER or an inpatient area, and it's really getting to be exciting. Um, 
laboratory. We went into the lab. I was blown away by all of the equipment that we have in the in the lab. And then we're setting up a point of care testing space in the emergency department. And all of that takes a lot of coordination, testing, working with the state to get the approvals and the licenses. That's gone out very, very well. Uh, the pharmacy has a has a separate vault, a hood for prepara- preparing drugs, and all of that's starting to come together. But it, it truly is an orchestration of our staff, all the supplies, all the equipment, the licensures, the state of New York, uh, our staff. It's It's pretty exciting. But every day I go in there, it's more and more like we're going to be ready, uh, very, you know, we're certainly hopeful. We're shooting for that October 10th date, um, but it's, it's very complicated. I'm sure logistically speaking, there's some, there's some challenges there, I can see. And, and let me mention, too, sure. that while the, while the building is um, one side is all the ER, inpatient, and support services. On the other side of the building, towards the east, is a huge physician office building. And what we've done, though, to serve the community is focused on the ER and then shift. We'll, we will shift to get that open and shift over through the month of October to finish up uh, the, the physician space. And we think that that's all on track as well for the end of the month. That's, that's really good because it's really amazing because of the supply and demand problems that have been going on in the construction industry for the last two years to actually do, do it on schedule is nothing shy of miraculous. We've uh, made a lot of decisions and pivoted on the fly. <laughs> yeah, I am sure. So it's, it's been, what, about two years since uh, Catholic Health broke ground on the hospital. So if we can backtrack just a little bit and review for some of our listeners um, how the decision was made to break ground uh, and build a new new institution and how you determined what the needs were for this community. So the decisions that went into making this facility at this uh, location. It's been a couple of years. So just refresh us on the process and uh, what what the thought process was. Well, I have to tell you, I can remember the day and I can remember the conversation because CJ called me and I it was probably about 7.30 at night. I was standing in my kitchen and he had met with uh, the folks from Eastern Niagara Hospital and he called me and said, you know, they're really in trouble. Um, this hospital's not going to survive and I feel like we have a responsibility as Catholic Health to do something. Um, and that's when all the f- conversations really started. And it was a tough time because it was, uh, you know, we were coming off the pandemic and actually the pandemic was still going on, but we were, were a little bit beyond, um, the, the worst of it. Um, we were having some struggles ourselves, but when we really started to take a look at how big the community is with close to 80,000 people. Um, the fact that the nearest hospital was going to be close to, you know, 25 or 30 minutes away for the people that reside in this area. We felt that there was a, absolutely a need that, and we had to figure out a way to do it. So we started to look around a little um, because we knew that building another 120-bed hospital wasn't the answer. Um, rural communities struggle, um, and building hospitals that are that large, it's just not the the way healthcare is being delivered today those hospitals were built a long time ago where you received all your healthcare in a hospital and we know that that's not the case anymore so we started to look at some other models 
Um, and once we really settled on this concept of a smaller hospital with a smaller footprint, but p- delivering really comprehensive services and, and maximizing all the services we have as a health system, then it was, we need to find a location. We need to figure out how do we keep Eastern Niagara Hospital alive for as long as possible and maintain health care while we could get this off the ground. I will tell you, um, normally you build, you, you plan a hospital, it probably takes one or two years to plan. Um, you go to your state, you have to get all the certifications done, all the drawings completed before they'll even look at anything. And we got on the phone with the state and said, you know what, we're going to really need some help here because if not, this community is going to be without health care. And the state stepped up. They wrote us a letter and said, we support you. We will um, look at the whole process as we're going along. Instead of having to do everything at one time, they let us do it kind of piecemeal. So as we progressed, they would look at things, they would approve it or disapprove it. And we had literally weekly calls with the folks from the state, which um, is just not anything that I've experienced in my 19 years of health care. So we settled on the concept of the neighborhood hospital. Um, the hall sold us the property. It was a great location and plenty of land for us to build and then plenty of land to expand if we decide to expand at some point in time. And that's how it all got rolling. Um, but CJ, myself, and even the team from Eastern Niagara, we, we met every week. Um, we had a whole team of people from, you know, throughout the organizations and we began the planning and, and the implementation uh, uh, for building this new facility. And it's been quite the experience. Can't believe it's coming to a close. Yes, it yeah. has. Yes, it has. And, you know, we, we also recognize um, when I knew Eastern Niagara was not going to survive out of bankruptcy, mm-hmm. the thing that impressed me most was the health needs in Niagara County. Absolutely. Um, we feel it a little bit on the west side, but it was going to leave truly the entire county um, open. And so I think it was really um, quite important for us that we had to figure something out. It was mm-hmm. clear that a traditional 120-bed hospital uh, where Eastern Niagara was located was not going mm-hmm. to work for the future. There are staffing challenges. So much of the care was moved from inpatient to outpatient. You don't need the same kind of structure to provide the care these days. Mm-hmm. So um, we started down a path learning about uh, micro hospitals. That concept didn't quite exactly fit, but Joyce, do you want to share with everybody what we started to do in sure. Texas and California yeah. and all? Yeah, we started um, looking at what other or what other uh, states were doing as it related to, especially rural communities. How were they meeting the needs of people in those communities? And that's when we really stumbled upon this whole concept of the micro-hospital. Not a term um, that New York State actually recognizes, but we found some real consistencies, and that is you have to have a very robust emergency room. So you've got to be there to meet the emergent needs of people. Um, and then you have to be part of something broader, either a, a, another health system or have the ability to move to people when they're in critical shape to locations that are more appropriate. Um, we also found that many of these hospitals had anywhere from 8 to 15 beds. I think 15 to 20 was the most we ever came mm-hmm. across. So we had some conversations with some folks in Texas, and then there was a uh, actually a Catholic health group 
um, from Indiana that was very gracious and spent a lot of time explaining how it was all working for them. And then we spoke with the folks from Highmark, um, Highmark here in, Buff- and in Buffalo. Um, they actually own a health system in Pittsburgh called Allegheny Health System. And they recently had just built three of these hospitals. And the reason that they did that was because the majority of their big medical centers are located in downtown Pittsburgh. And they, the folks that lived outside the city had a difficult time accessing care because they had to get downtown. Um, they were really, really generous with their time. Um, we caravanned, and CJ drove us all down to Pittsburgh, and we went and spent a whole day touring one of these facilities. Um, we learned so much about the structure, um, the workflows, um, the types of employees that have to work in these sites. And one of the things that I think is most impressive that's really important to us is that when we have a patient that comes through our doors, we want to have a clear disposition of where they're going next. And what I mean by that is, you know, do we, are we treating something that, um, maybe could have been treated in a primary care or an emergency or an immediate care? So is the next step that they go back to their primary care? And if they don't have one, then we'll, we'll find them one. Um, is it something that could be treated uh, on an outpatient basis? Maybe it's, um, a surgery that needs to occur that can happen in an ambulatory surgery center and it's not an emergency? Um, or does the patient require an admission? And what's the diagnosis? So if it's a diagnosis that the person's going to maybe be in for less than three days, um, we'll admit them here at the site. If it's a cardiac event or a stroke, something of that nature, we, obviously, we want to stabilize them, but then we want to send them to the very best place to get that care. So we'll transport them. And it could be by ambulance. It could be by helicopter. Um, if they're a trauma, you know, we may be sending them to Erie County Medical Center that treats um, their expertise is in trauma. So we'd be sending them there. So we want to direct people to the very best place to receive the care that they need. And it could be outpatient or it could be to another hospital, maybe with just home care. Um, or maybe the person needs to be transitioned to a skilled nursing facility. And we have all of those things available in, at Catholic Health. So we'll be able to do that, you know, um, pretty easily. So our, our hope is that People will not have long wait times, and we'll know where they're going relatively quickly so that we have um, good throughput through the facility and that people are, are have a clear path of where their care is going to be provided next. Well, it sounds like an awful lot of thought went into this. Uh, it's, it's scientific, and uh, you know, to do the logistics as far as the population goes, the location, and in a, we're talking about the term neighborhood hospital. So you're more than a micro hospital, clearly, because you have what ten ten beds yes. that you could do for admission, and the time that people are spending in the hospital is getting shorter and shorter. Mm-hmm. So. Is there going to be a rotation there? And so you have done the math and figured out that that's going to, that's going to serve the community uh, at this point, but you also left the door open to expand if needed. So so this uh, neighborhood hospital thing, um, are, are we seeing this pop up throughout the rest of the country? I know you've saw some models for micro, micro hospitals in other parts of the country, mm-hmm. but these community-type hospitals, is that the new model that uh, healthcare is heading? We really think it is because the, the need of the population and the residents in our communities have changed. Uh, there's been huge advances 
in technology that allow people to have surgeries or interventions that don't require a long stay in a hospital. Used to be you'd stay for a hip fracture. You might stay four, five, six days. Mm -hmm. Uh, A a delivery, a a new mother might stay for a week. That doesn't happen any longer, and it it was progressing, but I think with the pandemic, everything really accelerated. We also are now seeing so much more use of telemedicine, uh, really addressing some of the shortages of a lot of the specialists as well. So when you look at a community like Niagara that has such a need, but it's almost entirely outpatient, it, it's, we don't need a 120-bed hospital, uh, and I say we, I'm in the community. As a, as a resident of Niagara County, we don't need to support a 120-bed hospital. What we need is an area where, we, just as Joyce said, we can get quick access to emergency care. We can have all of these physicians and specialists available. Ambulatory surgery, which you know Eastern Niagara had on South Transit, which has now been acquired by Mount St. Mary's, and it's very busy. That's where our temporary ER is as well. So those models that are shifting to an outpatient, the community has really flipped in the need for and what they need from a hospital, they don't need all of these long-stay hospital beds. Most people really don't want to go to the hospital. Mm-hmm. They, they, what they need is the, all of this outpatient ambulatory and imaging capabilities and infusion centers and th- that type of stuff. So that's what we've built for now and into the future. And we've termed it a neighborhood hospital because a micro-hospital we felt in people's mind would be just a smaller hospital with all of the other things that you see in a traditional large uh, community hospital. And that's not what we're building here. We're really focused on the ambulatory needs. We do have some inpatient beds. Those will be 10 beds. We have a beautiful new ER uh, where we'll be able to handle a lot of uh, the, the needs in our community. Um, and the other really important thing that helps us support this neighborhood hospital concept is that we're part of a system. It's not a stand on Mount St. Mary's. Lockport Memorial are not standalone hospitals. We're part of the broader Catholic health system and part of a broader community, as Joyce says, for trauma care at ECMC. So we have these centers of excellence that have been set up within and developed over the years in Catholic health. So we have the very best equipment and the very best clinicians all centered and concentrated at Mercy for uh, strokes and heart attacks, at Sisters for uh, Women's Services and, and Maternity Care, at Kenmore and St. Joe's for orthopedic care. Um, it is not possible to replicate that high end of a service at every hospital. So we know that we can handle and treat and care for 90, 95% of the health needs in our community right here in our community so they don't have to go down to the big hospitals and down to Erie County. But then for those services that require that higher level, um, we've got the whole system available to us. And this is a model that we're seeing in the rest of the country for sure. That makes 
That makes a lot of sense. Uh, for those of you who may just be joining us, you are listening to Ask the Pro here on WLVL 1340 AM, streaming worldwide at WLVL.com. And my guests in studio are Joyce Markowitz, who is the new CEO and president of Catholic Health. Congratulations again. And C.J. Erlob, who does just about everything else. <laughs> so I'm not going to read off his his title because we only have a half an hour left. Uh, so, so, so to the new listening audience, or those who may just be tuning in, you can call if you have questions, comments, thoughts, or concerns. Give us a call at 433-1433. We would love to uh, just screen your questions and uh, and make sure that there's a everybody understands what we're doing here. And uh, so, again, for those who may just be tuning in or hasn't caught all of the uh, action that we've done, maybe you could just uh, review again what all of the services that will be offered at uh, the new Lockport Memorial Hospital. Go ahead. Where, as we mentioned before, big concentration in emergency services. We feel that it is critical that patients, and Niagara County is so vast, that quite honestly, with the challenges we're having with um, EMS and volunteers and all that, you may wait a while for the ambulance. Then there's these vast distances. We're uh, available right here in Lockport. We will have, and we're currently with our temporary ER, but in the new hospital, we'll have a state-of-the-art emergency department. It'll have 18 beds. It's set up for quick triage, uh, fast-track rooms for people walking in. It also has some higher-end, more complicated rooms that we can treat people in. It'll have... um, this is this is kind of fun. It's a new term I, I learned. A uh, room for person of size. So it has all the lifts and, you know, a little bit bigger equipment. Uh, it has, that will be a resuscitation room. We'll have a secondary resuscitation room as well connected so that if we get a, a big accident or, or, or a, uh, God forbid, some kind of a, an incident in the community, we'll be able to treat there are two rooms. We could double up to four if we had to, and they're interconnected. Really great design. Um, we have a dedicated room for patients that are struggling with uh, uh, psychiatric issues or suicidal ideations. We also have a SANE room, which is a sexual assault room, so that um, women that are assaulted um, are able to be cared for in a dedicated se- uh, setting. And then working with the EMS community uh, and other community folks, we have learned in Lockport there are some fairly serious chemicals that are manufactured up here. So we spend a lot of time building a, a an area that will be able to handle hazardous uh, chemical mm-hmm. spills, do the decontamination, and then be able to care for those patients without contaminating the whole ER and staff. So a lot of, lot of focus on that. Then we've got, as we've shared, we're going to have 10 beds. Um, mm-hmm. We're starting out with 10. We'll see what the need is. We think, we think 10 is about the right number. That's essentially what ENH was. Uh, that's what we're seeing from a from an inpatient from our temporary ER. Uh, but if the need is even greater than that, we've got a shelled in space. It's not finished, but it's shelled in so that we could turn around another ten beds uh, relatively quickly. But we're really trying to set things up so that we can 
the, the length of stay is really not supposed to be that long mm-hmm. um, for the kinds of cases we'll be able to handle there. Things like um, heart attacks, we're trying to figure out is it is it really is the chest pain really contributed to the heart or is there a gastric thing or something like that going on? Uh, we could handle some strokes, um, some GI issues. Um, so I, I think the kinds of patients we're going to see there, 10 beds is the, is the right number. We've been so fortunate, though, to be able to invest significantly in our imaging capabilities. And so we will be bringing to the community brand new MRI, brand new high-end CT scanner, a brand new mammography unit, uh, 3D mammography, the very best that's available out there, will be in our new facility. And we'll have ultrasound and all the other kinds of things as well. Um, I do want to mention... Thanks to Joyce. When we were looking at the imaging area, Joyce was adamant that we create a separate space for women's services so that uh, women in our community, when they come in for their imaging, are not mixed in with the, with the bigger uh, waiting area or um, other populations that are coming in for imaging services. So we'll have a, we're pretty excited about that. We'll have a dedicated uh, women's area. And then Obviously, in an ER, we have to have pharmacy, laboratory, x uh, ray um, services, and we'll, we'll have all of that. Um, but then the other important thing again, this idea of a neighborhood hospital is about the community and being in the community and ambulatory. So, what we'll have is this very large physician office building where we'll be moving some of the primary care physicians that we've had in Lockport. We're adding. We just added a new doctor uh, this month, I think. So we're, we're building up our primary care, and then it's our plans to have a full-time OBGYN, full-time cardiology, and all the rest of the specialists, like orthopedics, general surgery, ENT, uh, nephrology, endocrinology, um, the, all of those services that we currently have at Mount St. Mary's will also spend time now in Lockport. So the people of Lockport and East and North don't have to all travel to Mount St. Mary's to get the services of these really highly talented and dedicated providers. They can do that right in their own community. So that's a big, big piece of what we're, what we're doing. Uh, it, it kind of struck me some of the things you were describing. Um, it looks like you're making it so that the patient's experience is a positive one, and it looks like everybody is treated with dignity. The ladies are not, you know, they have some, some privacy. If there's a crisis victim, they have a special place where they're not going to be exposed to anything but what their needs are. And that, that takes so much forethought, and I, I, I certainly take my hat off to, because you've got to think of everything. Yeah. yeah. And, and you have to put it in that facility. So it's it's that's uh, that's rather remarkable that that every all the bases are covered and that's uh, that's really uh, really remarkable. But that's another great uh, aspect of building a new facility and building it for our current and the future is that you can think of these mm-hmm. things and that you don't take a building that was built a hundred years ago and try to fit everything in and do the best you can. This is designed for these purposes. Um, I also... Go go ahead. No, I was just going to say, CJ, when we were... Do you remember in the early days when we first were talking about how many beds we needed? 
we were thinking, you know, well, maybe what we should do is have semi-private rooms. Right. And we went back and forth and back and forth about that, and we just said, no, you know, we're going to do the 10. We'll put in the shell space for additional 10 if we need them, but these need to be private rooms. So anybody that's going to be staying with us um, for a few days is going to be in a beautiful private room, um, state-of-the-art, all the newest technology, uh, but but primarily this whole idea that they're going to be able to not have to share the room with somebody else. And we made the rooms large enough, so you know we're putting couches and things in the room so that families want to s- spend the night with a loved one. Um, they can absolutely do that. So we've tried to think of you know um, things that we are, as CJ mentioned, we're unable to do in some of our older facilities. Um, and this gave us a chance to really start thinking differently about how would you, how do you want to experience healthcare? Um, you know, it shouldn't be scary, it, but there should be privacy, there should be respect, there should be dignity, all the things that are core to who we are at Catholic Health. Very good, yeah. And again, another check mark for the dignity of the patient and mm-hmm. the patient experience being a, a positive one. So I, we had the pleasure of talking with uh, Susan Brooks this morning, and uh, and she was telling us about the the emergency room and everything that was uh, at the temporary mm-hmm. place, and um, that's been pretty busy lately. She told us they were expecting around thirty ish a day, and it's been upwards of sometimes a hundred a day. So. So you can just kind of give us an update on how things are going there and uh, how the transition is going to work uh, from there to the new facility. And Eric, I still have to pinch myself that we pulled that off. Uh, 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 for sure. I drove by there, and I just looked at that imaging trailer you had out there and the parking, how you got the the, the cones up the in the, the driveway. And the cones and, I mean, yeah. again, logistically, it's impossible, but you did it. But that's the, that is the... What's so special about the community in Niagara County and in Lockport? Because very, very concerned individuals approached the elected officials. The elected officials said this is not safe for our community. They were able to connect with the folks at the Department of Health and in Albany. And, you know, credit to Joyce and others at Catholic Health, they had already they already had a relationship with the Department of Health in Albany. And they reached out to us and said, basically, do you think you can do anything? And we weren't so sure, Joyce. Remember no, that? No, that was that was pretty scary. We were over there measuring and trying to figure out how do we do this when, it, you know, obviously it was an emer- immediate care site, but there's quite a difference between immediate care and, sure and an emergency room. And there were a ton of logistics, a ton of logistics, but... It was incredible to watch the Catholic Health team come together, and really, CJ led this and um, brought all the right people to the table. And we just sat down, and we we kind of pounded it all out and said, "We're going to need this. We're going to need this." But um, as for the Department of Health, you know, obviously, when you're when you have an emergency room, you have a lot of codes that you have to follow. Um, you know, room sizes the width of the hallways, all of that. And this site didn't meet all of that criteria. So we were required to get a list of waivers, basically, from the Department of Health that said, okay, we're going to waive this, but we'd had to come up with a solution on how we would solve the problem. Right, keeping everything safe. Right, right. So, you know, maybe we didn't have a sink here, but um, the sink was 10 or 15 feet away from where it would be according to the regulations. So we put up, you know, uh, temporary uh, 
hand stations for Sanitizer. hand sanitizers, right? right. <laughs> so just we had to really think differently. Um, but the state provided us with all of the necessary waivers. They were very satisfied with the solutions that we came up with. And it was just... And the short time that we had, had the building, I think that's the other piece, because mm-hmm. the building belonged to Eastern Niagara. We had to wait for... Um, well, the business belonged to Eastern Niagara. The building belonged did not belong to them. But um, we had to wait for the closure of Eastern Niagara to happen so that we could then physically get in. And so I, I think it was a Thursday, late on a Thursday, they handed the building to us. And Sunday night, um, I had the privilege to be there with CJ and the team. And the doors opened. And I, I think it took about six minutes or something for the first patient, the first patient to arrive. Um, wow. But it's it's been pretty amazing. And the, the volume, I, I think what we've learned from all of this is that the need is great. Um, and we just, um, if you speak with our physicians that are over there, they'll say to you that truly there would have potentially been lives that were lost had we not had that temporary emergency room in place because they've seen some very, very sick people there. Wow, and that, that smooth transition is so critical. And that, that leads me to the next question. How do, how do we figure the transition is going to go from that to the uh, the new hospital we, do you have a, a, I'm sure you have a plan in place to uh, to do that transition we actually have a, a team working on that uh, because there are a lot of uh, capabilities that are in the new uh, in the t- temporary ER that we need in the new building so the expectation from the Department of Health is that we would uh, open one and close the other within 24 hours but as our team, you know, we never we never do things easy. We're we're going to try to do it within a couple hours. Uh, so it's our intent that um, as soon as a new hospital opens, and we're you know, let's say it's eight o'clock, um, we won't accept any additional uh, new patients at the temporary ER. They will be directed over to the new ER. We've already talked to Mercy Flight Ground. They're going to be available to help us with that. Uh, we'll have signage, all that, and then we'll be able to finish up. The patients, and generally speaking, there are not a lot of patients that come in from, you know, probably 2 o'clock until 2 o'clock at night um, into the morning. Uh, so we're, we're trying to do this transition before we get real busy. Then we'll finish up with those patients. And then if it turns out, you know, this patient is just, we need to still take care of them and they're not going to be done for three or four hours, we'll likely end up transferring them over to the new hospital and uh, continue on that way. And the other important thing is, I need those imaging folks and the laboratory folks and the nurses over at the new hospital. So we've got a little bit of an overlap, but it's not very long. We will uh, we will transition. Now, remember, that's the temporary ER on South Transit Road. Um, we still will maintain that day will be fully operational with the ambulatory surgery center and uh, still see, see patients there. Very good. How would you like to accept a phone call see what's going on here? Good morning, caller. You are on WLVL with... Good morning, Eric. Good oh. Morning, uh, Hi, Randy. Yes. How are you doing, Joyce? CJ? Good morning. Good morning. I'm just kind of curious. I have a couple of questions. Would either one of you know, actually, what they're going to do with the old Lifeport Memorial Hospital? It, there was a time when there were some investors from New York City that were quite interested, and they were working with the bank, 
I don't believe that's still um, under investigation. Um, they looked at it. They were trying to do some things. Uh, they thought that it was easy to run a hospital or that they would get licenses to do certain clinical um, uh, services. And, and you just can't do that in New York State. These, these folks, these investors were not uh, clinical-based people. So um, I think that that opportunity fell through. But I think there's a couple other folks that are interested. It's still on the market, I believe. Uh, and there, I think there's some... Real unique opportunities there, uh, but that's for other investors to try to figure out. Okay, thank you for that information. My second question is, um, being a former uh, volunteer fire, and I'd love to have a tour that goes through this new hospital before it opens. Now, this is going to be open to the community maybe like two days before they actually fire it all up. Uh, well, um, that's a great question. Um, we're okay, very. I'll, I'll, I'll let you go now. Okay. Bye-bye. Thanks for the call. Right, um, so the, the question that I interpreted is: How are we working with the EMS and the fire departments uh, to acquaint them and to make them for, have them familiar with the new facility? Well, it started before we even designed anything. We reached out to the fire departments. We had this. We had the location halls. We knew the two entrance roads, but um, we did receive very um, significant and specific feedback about how we could get the fire trucks in, who would be responding, and then I have to credit the EMS community. The ambulance entrance is absolutely their design. We had a different design, and there was a lot of consternation when we had to change that, but we listened to them that uh, ambulance entrance right now can accommodate two ambulances undercover, a second two can come in behind them, and they don't lock in the first two. So they're able to take off and respond to community. The others can back out. So that really has worked well. And then we added two more spots on the outside. Now, those are not undercover, but in a a mass casualty incident, we're able to handle a really vast amount. We worked with Mercy Flight on the helipad. The helipad is right kitty corner from that emergency entrance. And then I have had a wonderful, um, built a wonderful relationship with the uh, fire chief, um, Luca, uh, from uh, City of Lockport. And then also Chris, who's right at the uh, South Lockport Fire Department. They would probably be the two main uh, departments that would respond to any kind of incident at the facility. So we've already toured them through. Tomorrow night we have, I think, maybe 40 uh, firefighters coming to the facility. We'll walk them through. Um, everybody can't make it. So then on Saturday morning, uh, and Eric, you're more than welcome to join us. Okay. Uh, but Saturday morning we're going to do another one. And then I was just told uh, this morning before we came into the show that we've got another uh, shift from, I think it's the city of Lockport, that are scheduled tomorrow morning. So we've really been working closely with the EMS and fire right. departments to keep our, our facility safe. And I'm sure Jonathan Schultz has been. Oh, yes. Yep. In Jonathan's every, every been there two or three times as well, and I, I expect him tomorrow night as well. Yeah, he, he's, he's a great he's, partner with yes, us. Yes, he is. He's a sharp guy, and he has the community's best interests sure in mind. Sure does. No question about that. So uh, this is kind of an, a segue, I guess, into, into from we were speaking about. 
you know, in emergency, of course, we want to get to the nearest hospital. We want to get to be served. But uh, there's always concerns about uh, maybe being transferred to another hospital outside the community, you know, depending on what their circumstances. You've addressed that uh, briefly. Uh, do we anticipate that that's going to happen frequently? Is it going to be stopping at your hospital and then go to somebody else's hospital? Or, you know, what is the uh, the projections, I suppose, is, is you'll be able to handle all of the uh, or most of the uh, emergencies that come through? Uh, you know, I think when we take a look at, and CJ can jump in on this as well, but when we take a look at what has happened with the temporary ED, that's really been a blessing for us in a lot of ways because what we've discovered is that 90 to 95% of the individuals that we treat in the emergency room stay right here in, in Niagara County. Um, and it goes back to what CJ had described before and, and what I think is really important to understand if we have a trauma, you don't want us to care for a trauma. You want to go to a trauma center. If, you know, a mom is having a baby, um, you want to go to a place where that's what they do every day, all day long, um, and they have the expertise. So you you would go to a place that that's where that occurs. Um, if you're having a stroke or a heart attack, you you want to be stabilized at this site, but you really want your core treatments to be provided in a location that has the cardiologists on site, has the experienced personnel. So you want to go to a place that takes care of heads and hearts. Um, and so we anticipate that the majority of patients, 90 to 95%, just like we're seeing right now in the temporary ED, will remain right here in Niagara County. But if somebody has truly a critical um, component to their health care, they will be transferred to a place that would, will best serve them. All right. hey, Eric, I'm we've sure also ahead. been working with uh, Jen Rogers from UBMD, our emergency department uh, physician leader, and then also Dr. Eric Cook, who is our hospitalist um, uh, individual. Not you, Eric, but Dr. <laughs> Eric Cook. Uh, and so they have come together, collaborated with the new hospital. They've already kind of laid out what normally at, at, at a um, moment's notice, okay, it, it looks like it's probably surgical, we're going to send them out. That's not actually needed. What we've seen at Mount St. Mary's is that many of the transfers did not end up with immediate surgery, uh, were discharged, and then there was follow-up ambulatory surgery. So they have been collaborating, looking at evidence, uh, uh, checking the literature, and have come up with uh, certain protocols, talking to the surgeons as well, as to which patients absolutely need to be transferred and which patients are we going to care for in our community, uh, stabilize them, and then really see if they need to be transferred. Um, We're going to try to avoid any unnecessary transfers but when it's needed, we've got the ambulances there, we've got the uh, Mercy Flight uh, helicopters, and our specialists throughout the system are available um, to be there. But, but truly, our purpose is to be in our community, caring for patients in our community. Right. And I just want to double-check with you, too. You said it's a 10-bed inpatient, but you have the capability of turning it into a 20-bed at at some Relative, point, it's relatively short. Everything's relative, right. um, but yeah. it's probably, you know, I would suspect it might be three to five months or so right. to have to turn that in. But but truly, we think the need is for 10 beds. Now, there's going to be some times during the year where it's busier and, you know, we will have to transfer for capacity. But uh, for the most part, 
We just, we believe, it's, again, it's a new concept. Mm-hmm. Uh, and so rather than building 10 and then be short and, oh, what are we going to do, uh, we had the forethought to put this thing and shell it in. Uh, but we'll really try to figure out what the need truly is um, in this community. At, at Eastern Niagara, as I mentioned before, it was basically 8 to 10 beds. Right. So that's going to f- fill the needs for sure. So when we were talking with uh, Susan this morning, she said that they had a, a nice staff orientation the other day. And so how is the staffing issue coming out? Uh, she seemed to think that once people see this hospital, they're, they're going to be lining up at the door to work here because it's going to be such a great place to work. But uh, how is the staffing situation going? Uh, the staffing is going very well. Um, you know, we hired quite a few of the staff from Eastern Niagara Hospital. Um, some of the staff, actually, that we hired ended up going to uh, some of our other sites. Um, that was just a, a choice. Because what you have to remember is this hospital is being staffed in a very different way than our other hospitals are staffed. The expectations of the employees that work here is that they are not going to just be doing one thing. Um, they will be providing multiple services throughout the um, facility. So, you know, normally when you're in a bigger hospital, you'll see um, the lab person comes in, they draw your blood, they take it back to the lab, and somebody else does, you know, all the rest of the work around that. Our lab people are going to be doing more than just drawing bloods, and they're going to support the emergency room. They're going to do EKGs, for example. Um, Everything that we're doing is we took a look at what does the person's licensure allow them to do? What's in the scope of practice? And if something was in the scope of practice that could be um, implemented into the day-to-day job versus bringing a whole separate team of people, then we implemented that. So, for example, our nurses will be doing respiratory therapy treatments. Um, normally, you have a whole respiratory therapy department. We are incorporating that into the nursing role. So... All that being said, the job descriptions look quite different than the job descriptions that you'd see at our other hospitals. So part of what we did during the interview process is we shared that information with people because we wanted them to know what the expectation is and what they were walking into. So some people were like, that sounds great. I want to be able to do all of those things. Um, others were, you know what, that's not for me. So they sort of self-selected. Um, we are also looking for people that have... Um, a really high level of patient experience, um, that that's really critical to them because we want the patients that come in here to have an experience that they've never had anyplace else. So we actually brought in an uh, outside company to help us to build the, the vision and the why we built it this way so that the workforce really understood all of that. And Susan uh, Brooks and Deb Holliday, who's going to be the clinical leader over that site, they have been working very, very closely with this um, company. It's called Monocle. And Monocle actually came on board um, to meet, came on site this last week. They had an orientation like nothing we've ever done at Catholic Health That's before. True. It was really very different. And then even went as far as working with Damon College to do simulation, um, and not the clinical simulation, but more patient experience simulation. We really want everyone that comes here to have an incredible experience. But um, it, it's uh, we have a vision, and I, I think mm-hmm. we're really trying to to build that vision and share that vision with everyone that's going to work at this site. I think we've been able to hire the best of the best for yep. this new facility yep. too. 
right. Well, I hate to say it, but we have run out of time. Holy smokes. Uh, CJ, final thoughts? Final thoughts. We're, we're here for the community. We can't wait to open. I uh, hope uh, folks will trust us to take care of their health and, and help us. You know, Catholic Health's vision is to transform health care to improve the health of our community. And so that's what we've really done. All right. Well, thank you both so much for coming in today. Thank you. And we look forward to speaking with you in the near future as the progress is being made. And we'll keep our listeners up to date. And uh, I'm sure we're all very grateful that you took the time to uh, give us an update today. Thank you so and, much and again. And, Eric, we're going to get you over on site, too. Okay. Well, I'll talk to you after the show about that. <laughs> all right. Yeah, love to. Thank you. Okay. Very good. Take Bye-bye. care now. Bye.